0: I'm not going
1: episode 189 of the sleeper in the bus podcast and you're probably wondering what this new voice is i am paul Spore, uh taking over for nicholas Minix, but still joined by mr Enosaurus. how are you sir yeah i'm doing good
0: i'm doing good and uh and fresh start here we go uh hopefully no technical difficulties should be uh, good to go transition paul, paul has done a lot of podcasting so a lot of talking actually you've done a lot of talking in your life
1: that that is very true so uh (laughs) you know hopefully the issues i know that the podcasting community was having a lot of the same issues that you and nick were facing so i wasn't surprised to hear that uh for anybody who does a podcast just don't update skype and that that will solve (laughs) a lot of your problems that's that's how i've maintained uh viability with regards to everything and not getting messed up with call graphs. but anyway enough with the technical side we have a lot to talk about even though it is a little thin, you know, it's February 3rd, but it's officially kind of baseball season, you know. You have a lot of those hybrid fans who are baseball and football fans. They're they're kind of diehards for both. Well, they close the book on Sunday night on football, they turn their attention to baseball and they join guys like us, you know, who have been following baseball year round. So, it is kind of the unofficial start of the season and uh, you know, a lot of the hot stove has has kind of taken place, but we still got some decent news. So we do have some interesting ar- ARB signings or, or avoidance of arbitration signings. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is Mike Mustakas. He settles for one year, 2.64 mil with the Royals. He had a pretty decent uh, postseason with some interesting highlight moments. And our very own Mike Podhorser suggests that the breakout is coming. And I'm curious if you agree. I remain a bit dubious. We've seen this kind of before, not necessarily from Podhorser himself, but just from the fantasy community. Do you think it's finally coming for Moustakis?
0: Yeah. I mean, going into my first AL labor, uh, I had Moustakis as, as part of my plan. And I had a, I had a Moustakis plan and I had an Adrian Veltri plan. Um, and so I threw, I threw the two of those players early to see which way I'd go. And then I got Moustakis for like 15 bucks, and I thought, hey, uh, let's go with the Moustakis plan. <laughs> and, you know, it worked out terribly. I finished, I think, 11th or 10th. And I blame Mike Mustakis, but it's really important, A, not to blame uh, players um, and, and to try and keep a fresh eye and not just write guys off. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, otherwise, you know, Lucas Duda or whatever, there's all sorts of guys that, you know, take a couple years. Um, so, you know, but the one thing that I don't like about Mike Mustakis was that I had a lot of reasons for him and uh, for liking him. So um, he had a batted ball distance surge um in 2012 uh so i had him on a list for that um he played through an injury um and uh uh, i have him for the i have him uh, on a list for that because jeff zimmerman found that um projections will underproject your power uh based on an injury uh because the projection system doesn't know that it was an injury it just knows that your power was down Mm -hmm. um and um so I, I had him on a list for a couple of reasons, and uh, it worked out terribly for me. So, you know, it's important to remember that, you know, even if you like a guy, you got to pay for projections. Um, and uh, so even if you if you like the fact that he once again has a batted ball distance surge, and there were some nice things to like about he you know his 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 play discipline got a little bit better mm-hmm. um, you still shouldn't pay much more than for a guy who's going to hit two forty with you know fifteen to eighteen homers
1: so you don't think he could get back to that twenty level i mean obviously if he's hitting the high end of what you just said eighteen as as baseball h q likes to say a couple errant gusts of wind in his favor could get him to twenty. But do you ever see him as maybe this kind of mid-20s homer guy? Because the raw power, and I'm sure it's there in batting practice. Uh, you know, he's got that kind of power, but it hasn't really translated into the game. And despite some of these improved trends, uh, even Podhorzer admits, hey, he still has a huge infield fly ball issue. You know, uh, you mentioned the the walk rate gain was not. St- substantial it, it was a gain but it's we're still talking seven percent the strikeouts are down though from from two years ago quite a bit from 20 percent to 15 percent so th- that part helps but like you said I think it's just light average and uh mid-teens homers at best here I don't necessarily see a breakout and I, I think we have to be talking about you know 23 24 homers or more to really classify it as a breakout
0: yeah I agree um you know the there is something uh, you can like about his profile and that he makes good contact, um, you know, and uh, he, he does have that, that raw power. Uh, but, you know, the, the infill fly ball rate is, is concerning. And for me, the reason it's, it's even more concerning is that he used to be a really extreme fly ball guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when I thought, you know, maybe he could hit 25 homers just because he's going to hit more than half his balls in the air. And, and maybe he can be like a Joey bats type of guy. Um, where the batting average is low, but he makes enough contact, um, and he makes enough powerful contact to, to maybe have a lot of home runs. I mean, the, Joey Bautista does hit 50% of his balls in the air. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably why his batting – that's a big part of why his batting average is so low. But the infield fly ball rate – then the fly ball rate since has, has, has calmed down, and his, and his uh, ground ball to fly ball ratio is uh, – last year was at its most equal. Um, but the info fly balls are still there. So, you know, there's something about his approach that's missing. You know, it, it's, there's something obviously he could figure it out, but I, I tend to think that pop-up percentage for pitchers, it's pretty sticky year to year. Um, and I'm beginning to see that it's sticky year to year for hitters. I mean, if you, if you're wondering why Andrew Sim, and Simmons, Simmons, hasn't really uh, taken off, it's a pop-up problem. Um, oh, interesting.
1: I didn't know that has, about Simmons.
0: Yeah, Simmons has all the the tools to be a 300 hitter. I mean, he makes contact. He has a little bit of power. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can run a little bit. I mean, he could definitely be a 300 hitter. Uh, but he hits he hits uh, 15%. Uh, well, actually, you know, I don't. I wish we used pop up percentage, uh, which is infield fly ball rate times fly ball rate, mm-hmm. um, because that's that's a better measure. But um, in any case, you can sort of try to multiply them in your head, and anything over three and a half percent is worse than league average.
1: And, uh, you know, you mentioned that with it's, it's it's been a steady thing. It's, it's coming down a little bit, but you're still talking about 15% last year. And this is a guy who's never had even a 10% homer to fly ball ratio, which, yeah. you know, I, I, I had to imagine that when you were looking at him uh, hitting nearly 50% of his fly balls uh, in 2012 with a 9% homer to fly ball rate, you're figuring, well, if he stays up there in the upper 40s, and just gets to league average, which is 10 to 11%, then you're going to get your 25 bombs, but it just has not materialized. So I'm a bit dubious. I do recommend everyone does read the piece by Pod Horser, at least see what he has to say. It's not going to be, a, if, it is, if there is a breakout this year, it's not going to be one that's on any of my teams, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I mean, in an only league, um, if everyone's soured on him, you know maybe they'll they'll uh look up when I when I put a bid down but uh like AL labor it'd be really funny if I finally had a great AL labor team and Stockus was back on it
1: and he was a and he was a central piece with his 280 average and and 26 homers <laughs> out out of nowhere because he he cures the pop-ups let's talk about another guy let's shift to the NL a couple other guys with pre-arb signings um also power is kind of the central theme here cuz Brandon Belt's another guy he gets 1 year 3.6 mil A lot of people are going to be calling for the breakout from him this year, too. Do you see that 20-homer season coming from him? Obviously plays in a difficult park for it, but he looked like he was selling out for power at the beginning of last year, and it was working. Of course, he was limited to 61 games, so that kind of snuffed out the, the, the season as a whole. But how do you feel about Belt? This is a guy I've always liked. Part of it is that uh, he went to the same school I did, University of Texas, so I saw him a lot in college, and then I saw him break out in AFL. So when you see those guys kind of do it in front of you, it, it does stick with you a little bit more. So uh, I'll, I'll remove my bias from it and just ask you, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. do you feel about him as a potential 20-plus homer guy?
0: I mean, I like it. The, 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 the funny thing is we, we look at Mustakis and we look at Bell. And with Moustakis, I think there's been very little change. It's been sort of chipping away and, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there, but he's been fundamentally the same guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Belt, you, he's the kind of guy, when Joey Votto adjusts, when Joey Votto changes, um, it happens so often that, you know, I think pitchers have a hard time keeping up with it. And so it doesn't show up as oft, as, e- as easily. But when you kind of look at Brandon Belt's uh statistical line i feel like you can see the gears churning (laughs) like you can see when he came in he was an oppo guy uh, more about contact and patience and just put the ball in play and that's when he had his better batting averages then he made a grip change on the bat which was much publicized and took a lot of effort from the coaching staff he had to call dom brown you know he had to he had to really you know finally okay fine i'm gonna change this finally he opened up his front foot so he could get to the inside pitch and between those two things he started showing power and then last year he was like hey i got power i got power and (laughs) he, you know started jacking everything but you know the contact rate went south and the strikeout rate so so really we've almost seen like three different versions of brandon belt and it's hard to say which one's going to come this year but you know it really you know when he finally when i talked to him last it it really it sounded like he had the ability to be all three of those guys because i was like well now now that you're, you're swinging at pitches on the inside more and jacking them out, aren't they, you know, just starting to go the other way? And he's like, yep, I'm starting to see that. They're starting to go the other, you know, starting to go on the outside corner again. But I remember, you know, I can do that. You know, I can take that the other way. So. Uh-
1: that, that I love a guy like this who is kind of ever evolving because they're willing to go out there and make changes to keep trying to get better, keep trying to put their best self out there. And, and it's encouraging. I mean, it's kind of all over the map. Like you said, we're talking about uh, maybe three full years if you smash it together, but it's been four seasons and he really has been just these three different guys. It's really interesting. But I still think that this is a guy who can who can break out and and be that kind of, you know, not upper class first baseman. It's a tough upper class to break into. But if you don't get those first round studs, the Cabrera, Goldschmidt, Abreu and Canarcion class and you want to wait a little bit longer, all of a sudden you're looking at somebody like a belt several rounds later. I think he's somebody that you could probably live with at first base, assuming obviously you're getting stacked everywhere else and you're getting your power maybe from the outfield or third base, something like that, so you don't have to rely on him uh, for power. But then if he can give you the 22 homers and, and kind of get back up into the two, even 275, which he hit in 2012, th- that's that's pretty useful in today's game. You know, it's not uh, – back in the day, 275, That's that's waiver wire fodder. These days, you'll take a 275, especially with that kind of pop.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny that the, the, the bag on him was that, and that's why I mentioned the gears grinding, the bag on him was that he wasn't going to be a guy that would make adjustments. But then finally, when the grip thing worked out for him, I think a real light bulb went on. So I, I, I have confidence in him to make adjustments. I think um, you might have seen, if he had been healthier last year, you might have seen stretches where he went the other way, brought that batting average up and the contact rate down, and became more of a, you know, 22% strikeout guy, you know, 260, 270 hitter, uh, with a nice on-base percentage, definitely more of a boon in on-base percentage leagues. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, pay for those projections, you know, like I said, like we always say. But uh, definitely think he could be a top-10 first baseman with, uh, at utility prices.
1: Yeah, and you're talking about a guy in a small sample, of course, but before he got hurt, through the first 35 games of the season, he was hitting 264 with nine homers. That would have paced out to 42 homers. Not saying he's a 40-homer guy, right. not a chance. But
0: guys around the team think he can hit 30 so
1: Exactly.
0: I think 25, you know, 26 is definitely uh, something you can hope for pay pay for 2022.
1: And don't go like like you said though don't go crazy, don't go over investing mainly because you don't have to. The market will dictate that you don't have to overpay for him. So even if he is your breakout guy that you're excited on, you can go an extra buck, but you don't have to go an extra 3 4 bucks or an extra 2 3 rounds.
0: If there's a Giants fan in the room
1: yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that. If somebody's got the panda hat on and they're still crying uh, over the loss of Sandoval, you might be careful there because they might just go crazy on Belt. But otherwise, just let the market give you that discount. Uh, last guy we're going to talk about here, he got the most of the of the trio, Lucas Duda. You kind of briefly mentioned him earlier. One year, four point two mil. He's a pure platoon guy, plain and simple. 28 of his 30 bombs came against righties, 516 OPS against lefties. 516 OPS, that's how bad it is. Um, Can he hit another 30 as as a pure platoon guy in in your estimation? Now, it was a high, you know, 16% homer to fly ball ratio, but he's been slowly adding to it the last couple of years 12.5, 14.3, 16.0. Not sure we can say that the 16.0 is going to stick. But his fly balls have really gone up in those three years, too, from 42 to 48 to 49%. So he's putting the ball in the air. He knows where his bread is buttered. It is as a pure sellout power guy who takes a lot of walks. How do you feel about Duda, somebody who was super cheap last year and, and was a big hit? Weren't you on him a couple of years ago as, like, one of your big guys late? Yeah. Was it last yeah. year? No,
0: it was um... – Two years ago? It was I. I had him the wrong year. I okay. had him uh, going into 2012 as a dollar guy. Um,
1: yeah, because you loved know, that him. Guy, I remember that.
0: Once you once you start talking too much about a dollar guy you like, he becomes a five dollar guy, becomes a Ten dollar guy, and then everyone blames you. Why did you tell me that? <laughs> Spend $10 on Lucas Duda. I said, I never said
1: that. Hey, man, I spent tw- 28 bucks. I really got bit up by myself. Uh, yeah. This is your fault. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. I, I, hey, I was getting angry messages about Corey Kluber in April last year because he got off, you know, his first three starts weren't very good. So, you know, sometimes it comes back around and works out. But uh, I do remember you being a big Duda guy. Now you can go back to those people and say, hey, I had the year wrong, but I had the player right how sustainable is it though because obviously you saw some some good signs in him and and he wasn't a complete disaster in 2013 he only played 100 games so that that hurt him but he was still kind of similar with the low average high obp i'm kind of liking this guy because this is another guy who's very cheap in the market given what he does and given how scarce power is today
0: yeah i mean i think a lot of it depends on your league setting it's a little bit Weaker of a play in, in weekly leagues, you know, obviously. You yeah. said he's a platoon guy. With Michael Kadire on the team, they're probably going to platoon him. Um, my research, um, you know, suggests that power peak is probably 26. Uh, I did it by ISO, though. So there could be sort of a home run per fly ball peak that's a little bit later because ISO has, you know, your feet in it a little bit. You can turn singles into doubles and stuff. Um, so I do want to rerun that aging curve with home runs per fly ball. But in any case, um, I think he's post. You know, probably post peak. I, I, you know, I'm not sure about that, but I, I would, I would get, say he's post peak. Um, and, you know, it's taken him a long time to get here. So um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't annoy him a star. But dude is really nice guy. It's his birthday today. Oh, wow. uh, so instead of being a wet blanket, uh, <laughs> say happy birthday, Lucas Duda. Um, and congratulations on that season. Congratulations on the money. Uh, you're such, he's such a humble guy. Love him to death. Um, and, uh, I'll give him, I'll give him a little bit more than the projections, a little bit closer to the fans. Um, and, uh, maybe it's interesting, you know, they didn't have a great platoon option for him and he, and he got close to 600 plate appearances with Michael Dyer. They have a much more obvious platoon guy, uh, to, to play at first against lefties. I wonder if he's going to have fewer plate appearances. That's, that's, and if the team is more competitive, they're more likely to, 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 to do things like that, platoon, instead of, uh, you know, see if Duda can figure something out against lefties. So maybe you, you scale back the, um, the plate appearances a little bit and, you know, settle around 24 homers for him.
1: Yeah, he, he got uh, 125 plate appearances against lefties last year. Now, only two homers, 10 ribbies and six runs. So you wouldn't be taking off a lot if he repeat, but then you, <laughs> but then he has to stay a, a, an all star against righties with the 915 OPS, the 28 homers and the 82 ribbies, and that's kind of hard to necessarily uh, bank on for him. So you you probably got to build in some regression against those righties, and then take away some of the the opportunities against lefties, and all of a sudden you're you're down to kind of where you said, which Steamer has him at 24 and 75 with the homers and ribbies and a 234 average and then the fans 2588 with a 252 average so you said you're a little bit closer to the fans the Uh, the reason
0: i quibble with the steamer projection not only the plate appearances that's a little bit high mm -hmm. um but steamer has them for a 277 babbitt and you know i guess they're reaching back to his 213 babbitt which is 276 but you know duda even though he's a big guy and he's a power guy he's not actually a a big pull guy when when he's going well it's up the middle Oh. Um, you know, so the fences, the fences coming in and left field a little bit may actually help him a little bit there when, when it comes to, uh, you know, getting a couple chippies over the wall there, he mm-hmm. does have upper power. I don't see him as being, uh, you know, shifted all the time. Um, one of those guys. And, uh, I think he has enough bat control. I mean, he's not like a 28% strikeout guy. I think last year's, uh, 22, 23. That's, that's more who yeah. he is um you know so i like him i like him for that Today's Subaru.
1: <laughs> somebody had an auto ad uh an ad autoplay there didn't you ah sorry about that that's all right it's funny <laughs> i think that happens on literally every podcast one of the hosts has gone to a site that has an autoplay ad um, <laughs> but yeah so uh, i i agree with you on duda with regards to saying i'm probably closer to the fans than steamer it's quibbling a little bit. Um the big difference is really the batting average, but but I agree. I think he can be more of that 250 guy. And when you're talking about a 20 point difference in batting average, that is going to be significant. Like Belt, and probably even more so than Belt, he's a much better player in an OBP league. So definitely move him up your boards if you play in that kind of league. Uh, we have a couple other bits of news here. These ones aren't as as groundbreaking, but uh, they're they're worth talking about. Desmond Jennings says that his knee is 100%. He injured it in early July, you know, and uh, he had a 15 homer and 22 stolen base pace, uh, which is very similar to 2013 before the injury. And he was posting a 727 OPS. Not great, but uh, in today's game, it's, it's passable. He played through it until missing all of September, uh, but he had a 620 OPS in those 33 games. So it, it really kind of tanked his season and then, of course, eventually cost him the final month. What are you seeing from him? I remember this guy used to be somebody that almost universally we, we as a fantasy community thought was going to be a stud. And it has not panned out, not even close. Uh, he's still useful, but he's never played more than 140 games. He's kind of a you know low double digit homer and then a 20 something steal kind of guy. Not a lot to get excited about. You know, I guess he's in the midst of his prime right now at age 28. Depending on when when you say it it expands until, but uh, is there any hope for him to be anything more than what we've seen, or or like you said, pay for the projections, which is just kind of what this guy is right now.
0: I, you know, we're we're talking now about 2,000 plate appearances Mm -hmm. uh, from a 28-year-old. The one thing that uh, is interesting about this news is the sort of research that I, I quoted earlier um which is that um, power gets underprojected for players that play through injury. Um, so if you if you look at uh, Jennings uh, power for the year it was his worst isolated slugging percentage for his career and um, he had been sort of building to above average power. Um, so you know maybe maybe you can uh, maybe you can give him a better ISO uh, that probably matters a little bit more in OPS leagues because he's more of a doubles and uh, triples kind of guy than he is a homers guy um i don't I, you know and uh, for what it's worth uh i think we've soured too much as a fantasy community in a way i got him in the Fangraphs mock to be my utility player oh wow in, uh 12 team five outfielder league and you know i know that's it's not that he's not that exciting but um just you know just a little bit more Babbitt luck and you know you know, just he, he's going to go out there and give you. You know, I think 15 15 is a good baseline. I think with healthy legs, maybe 20 25 homers, like um, 25 20 to 25 steals is, 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 uh, once again a possibility. So, um, I think he's one of those guys that it won't hurt you anywhere really. Um, uh, won't maybe won't win you the league because he's not necessarily going to show that upside anymore. But if people have soured on the point that he's a utility guy, yeah, sure, I'll pick that up.
1: No, I, I have to actually agree with that quite a bit with regards to how far down people are on him. You mentioned 15-15, which, you know, uh, he could definitely do. 15 would be a career-high homer, so even if you drop it down a couple, whatever. But I just ran 15-15. There were only 15 guys to do that last year. And if you move it up to 15 homers and 20 steals, then you're talking about just 11 guys. So the 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 power and speed combination that he gives is still, you know, pretty rare and very useful. And yes, he's he's not a, a huge batting average guy. He basically kind of hurts you there, uh, or or kind of average really. Uh, not necessarily a drain. But again, I've said it now ten times already. Different era, so you can't look at a 244 and completely vomit. You got to say, ah, eh, it's not great, but it's probably what like a what maybe a 260 was back in the height of of uh, you know. Ten guys hitting fifty homers in a season, so it's just a different game. And I still think that the fantasy community has been slow to adjust with regards to uh, offensive categories and and people with batting average. So I agree with you. If he's going to go that cheap, then he's going to be on a lot of my clubs because I, I I like a guy like that in my outfield, let alone as a utility.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, league average batting average is two fifty now. Um, you know, I think the league average most fantasy leagues is around two sixty five. So. He's he's not really, you know, not necessarily going to hurt you too much there. And, you know, like you said, that combination of power and speed. I mean, it's like Michael Bourne. People are going to hate so hard on Michael Bourne this year. Big time. And... If he can steal 20 bases and hit five homers and hit a 275 batting average, he's going to be a great fifth outfielder.
1: And he could score a ton of run- – that team that team could be really good. Uh, as a yeah. Tigers fan, I'm, I'm pretty afraid of that team. I'm pretty afraid of the AL Central as a whole uh, as a Tigers fan. But th- I think that club could be really good. And if he's somehow batting at the top of the lineup regularly and, and he's slotted in there to start – then all of a sudden you're talking about some, some sneaky run totals as well. And, and born could be a guy who goes really cheap. I hadn't really considered, you know, going back to that. Well, but <laughs> you, make, you make a solid case because it's going to be so cheap at some point. Like you said, very early, don't, you don't kill guys off. You know, if they burn you one year. Don't put them on some, I'll never draft you again list. I know it's fun to talk about and, and say they're dead to you, but right. you, you can't really do that because at certain some point everyone has the right dollar value and guys like, uh, like Desmond Jennings and Michael Bourne are really getting into a wheelhouse where it's impossible to say no. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Don't everyone has a price.
1: Exactly. Uh, This guy might not have a price, though. Well, let's see what you think. John (laughs) Axford signs a minor league deal with Colorado. He is a heavy ground baller. That's about the best I can say. I mean, he does strike out guys, too, but we already knew that The, the, the ground ball rate is there. I guess, but can he be successful enough to kind of rip that job from uh, from Latroy Hawkins' cold, dead hands? And I don't know if Hawkins is dead yet, but he's got to be close, right? He's like 63. <laughs> so, you know, he's alive currently, but he could be zombie Hawkins. Uh, I, d- I don't think they have a ton of other options. I know Rex Brothers was popular for a while as the guy who could take the job over. Uh, he's cratered. Is Axford somebody that you look at and say, an NL only league where you know $1 middle relievers are viable would you speculate there or does he have to show you something before you you, you'd even try it and let's just say obviously it's a minor league deal non-roster invitee let's just say he makes the club and and you know this at the time of your draft that he's going to be on the club but not closing would you take a shot and what format would that have to be
0: well I'm in a, a 20 team uh, mixed league with uh, forty-man rosters. Oof, that would be a league to start considering anybody <laughs> with a pulse, which might well, not be
1: Hawkins after a while.
0: But closers are also overvalued, so trading for one is terrible. So I will be burning, you know, four to five roster slots on on. Oh God, they, some of them listen. Oh, anyway, uh, <laughs> I will be burning four to five roster slots on relievers. Uh, just trying to speculate. I, d- I doubt Axford's going to be on there just because, you know, 1.5 whip over the last three years. Yeah, it's rough. Uh, the walk rate is just terrible, and, and, and he's burned so many chances he's not even getting um, regular deals anymore. But I do think uh, Latroy has um, a lot of daylight there. There's a lot of daylight in Colorado. I just think it's mostly taken up by Adam Adovino.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ottavino um, was the guy who kind of usurped brothers as that next-in-command kind of guy. Uh, so maybe that's a guy you roster um, or let's throw out some dummy names so that your league mates go all over them guys. Who, who are some, who are some clowns that this. we could throw out? You're going to go really hard on, on Yuri's familia. Uh, let's, let's who else? Uh, I'm trying not to give any no, of the I, good ones. How about
0: this? I'll, 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 uh, I'll ascribe it all to bias because I interviewed both out and uh, uh, Hawkins last year. And um, my Ottavino interview was amazing. He talked about how he has two sliders uh, in order to try and combat uh, his work against lefties. He asked me um, to try to interview Steve Sishek and ask him how he does it. Um, and uh, he, he, you know, Odovino came up to me and asked me uh, if I was, you know, and, and, you know. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And he, and he then said he read everything because, he just wants to figure out how to be better. And so that was, uh, that's like, you know, crack to my ears. So uh, <laughs> then, of course, I, I was flying high and went over to Troy Hawkins, and he took everything I said the wrong way. Because <laughs> um, I was trying to be like, how have you managed to, to do it and be so healthy? And he's like, I oh, don't know, I just, you know, run a lot. <laughs> like, what, are you, what
1: are you saying i'm old and you're like well yeah kind of i mean
0: it's exactly what he did he was like <laughs> he's saying i'm old i'm like oh geez this is not going well <gasps>
1: uh,
0: and uh he uh when i i just tried to like come at it from different ways and asked him about his pitching mix and this and that and he basically said um when i when i said something like can anybody close he's like what i'm just anyone now and i'm like oh oh no <laughs> so, oh no he abort. Did, abort. Exactly. But in the end, he did say um that he thought he had this ability in him all along. He just had to get uh, basically I don't know if luck was the exact word, but he basically said he had to have a good stretch where he was feeling good and mm-hmm. you know, he was on the right team. So um, you know, I think if you look at his line, you can see exactly what he's talking about. He's he's been the same guy yeah. for much of his career. And there's no real reason. Um, I just think he wasn't ever really a closer. He just has been a closer when he's been going right and the team needed him to be that. But he's been a good pitcher. I think it's the the good command is his is his of a of a sinker. Is his that's his main thing. But just you know too many balls in play in Colorado.
1: Exactly. Uh, it's terrifying. I think- yeah, I think it's some point strikeout rate. Sorry about that. But yeah, that th- yeah. that much contact in Coors is so terrifying. So yeah, no, no. If, if he didn't like what the questions you were asking him, me calling him a zombie is not going to go over well <laughs> when he <laughs> listens to this episode. I'm sorry, Latroy. And then the final move. And this guy, this guy might be somebody that you're targeting in, in your 20 team, 40 player league. Casey Jansen brought in on a one year, $3.5 million deal. You know, it, it's a de facto Clippard replacement Uh, He really fell off last year. This was a guy who, you know, solid but unspectacular, I think, is, is, is apt and fair description. But he was getting the job done. And then last year really kind of ran into some injury issues and just didn't have a very effective year. But now he's going to get to get in that bullpen. And he'll, like I said, he'll probably kind of fill that role. Um, as a 7th 8th inning kind of guy, is this somebody that you have any interest in? Especially when, you know, Storen's not the steadiest guy that we've ever seen, although that's more in the playoffs than anything else. How do you feel about Jansen going to the nation's capital?
0: He's an interesting guy because he's really outperformed his strikeout ability uh, just based on command. I mean, he's really used command to make the most of what is not you know, stellar closer stuff. Mm-hmm. And then last year, because of injury, I think, he really just it fell off a little bit. It, you can see that the movement on his slider softened, um, and, uh, or his cutter, whatever it is. And, uh, the movement on his curve, uh, suffered a little bit. So the movements and velocities of his pitches suffered last year during his injury. And since he was such a borderline guy, I think that's what really hurt him. Uh, so if he's healthy, um, I'm not saying that he can necessarily get back up to, uh, strikeout rates North of 22% or whatever. Um, but, uh, I think he could be a solid reliever. And, you know, for what it's worth, Storen is not the biggest uh, strikeout guy himself. No. Um, and that's why I think there's a little bit of daylight here in the fact that, um, you know, Storen likes to get the ball on the ground and not necessarily strike out as many guys, although he's kind of been a couple different pitchers in his career. Um, so I think uh, – and also, the other reason I like Jansen is that the bullpen depth chart behind Storen is pretty barren. Absolutely. I mean um I don't think Stammen's a closer. Um Thornton and Blevins are m- better uh to use against lefties. And um you know Blake Trainin uh is I think a big velocity guy if I remember incorrectly. Uh yeah, 95. I think I saw him hit 100 a couple I was times, say,
1: especially out of the pen, he can really pump it up.
0: So I I guess Trainin and Jansen are my are my dark horses there. You know, Storm could hold on to it all year, but you really have to think about you know, second and third uh plans, like plans B and C in almost every bullpen. Um and so um you know, I think uh I think training and, and Jansen are gonna be relevant this year at some point. Um you know, who knows which one it'll be. I mean training for what it's worth has not turned that velocity uh into strikeouts.
1: No, not not as of yet. Um but,
0: so, but maybe but, in the yeah, pen everything plays up
1: but uh... exactly and and still still relatively young in terms of of uh chances in the majors so if he did shift to the bullpen full time training could definitely be somebody who kind of comes out of nowhere that you say whoa didn't really know he had this in him so that's a good name uh to definitely stash whereas everyone will will be aware of jansen and he'll be a guy who who goes in the leagues that either have holds or where a lot of people speculate for saves, he's going to be somebody who is, is a popular pick there. So if you want the cheap one, it might be training because he might not even break camp uh, in that bullpen. He might, he might be, you know, in the AAA rotation. Yeah. yeah, definitely. All right. Now, before we get to the, our division, we're, we're going to start our division previews today um, in the AL East with Baltimore and Boston. We got two quick things. Just want maybe five words on both of them. A couple of interesting, and I put that in air quotes, wannabe returns here. Andrew Jones, age 38, trying to come back from Japan. And Barry Zito, age 37, is throwing for some teams today, today being Tuesday, February 3rd. Would either of these register on your radar if they got, uh, if they, if they got signed, uh, what would it take? I guess, I guess we should say, what would it take for you to get these guys on a radar? Maybe in that 20, uh, 20 team, 40 player league, I assume it would be Jones of the two, but, but do either register for you?
0: Um, I mean, he's, he's been doing all right over in Japan, but, you know, if a thirty seven year old Japanese outfielder, uh, who hit twenty four homers and had a two twenty batting average in <laughs> Japan, uh, was was ready to come over, um, I don't think many people would be. And he was playing first base. <laughs> oh. So
1: it's not even outfield uh, anymore.
0: Yeah, so I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. Um, and uh I'll say this, I, I spent a lot of time in my youth in Atlanta and he might have been the uh the the player that was the most equal parts uh, awesome to watch and frustrating to watch. I can see um, because that. The, the defense was great. The uh, attitude was not always there. And the sliders on the outside corner. <laughs> oh, God. I just, if he swung at one more of those, I was going to reach into my TV and strangle him. I, so,
1: I think you have a future as a politician, though, because you said uh, you're very, very politically correct, but the attitude was not always there. <laughs> uh, that, that is the most polite way that you could say that. You know, I'm very impressed. I, I think you do have a future in politics if this baseball thing kind of kind of doesn't work out for you here. There's a lot of fans out there. <laughs> I mean, and listen, I think even as most diehard fans would would agree, though, uh, amazing to watch an electric player, uh, both sides of the ball. But dang, sometimes you're just like, what are you doing? And and it even kind of plays into some of that stuff with the with the sliders that he would flail at. It's like, dude, do you even care? Do you, do you not know that that pitch is coming? Can you ever <laughs> lay off of it? Uh, but, yeah, I think you make a great you know, point there with regards to if this was just a Japanese player coming over and not somebody with the name and the history of Andrew Jones, and he had 221 with 24 homers, which is what he did. He had a 394 OBP, but I feel like that's probably more fear-based from from the opposition than than anything that he really did. They're, they're just kind of pitching around him more than him having some real keen eye that would instantly translate, because I think he'd get challenged a lot more here back in the States, and I don't think it would go that well.
0: Yeah, and you know the other name on your list, uh, Barry Zito. Um, you know, I was I was tempted to say that he'd be the guy that have an easier chance as a maybe as a loogie as a lefty one out guy. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, I'm looking at his splits for his career, and and you know that you know that his um, you know that his uh, his major weapon is the curveball, and the curveballs have uh, especially big curveballs like his have big uh, reverse platoon splits. So. Um,
1: so maybe he's the loogie that's a roogie.
0: Yeah, maybe he's – well, just for his career, he has no split.
1: Oh, so he's just like even.
0: Yeah, just no oh, split. Oh, wow,
1: dead even. 7-13 14 of, like you weren't kidding. You, yeah, I guess
0: even. weighted on base average against, it's, it's dead even. When you go to FIP, he gave up uh, a few more homers against righties. So maybe there's a little bit of a homer suppression skill um, against lefties. But still <laughs> – I mean, uh, one three six whip against both, and he's been out of the game, and he's thirty six. Maybe, maybe someone needs a lefty reliever. Maybe you get, get a camp invite. If I was betting on a camp invite for one of the two, it would be uh, Zito because people are always looking for a lefty reliever. I,
1: I can agree with that, and 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 for that reason, your your children better be left-handed. I, I assume you're working on that as we speak, uh, <laughs> making them left-handed because yeah, y- you 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 at least get looks pretty much until you can't walk anymore. So uh, neither of those probably going to make much of a dent on the fantasy radar, but I did want to talk about them. And I've, I've always thought Barry Zito, just a great dude. So I do wish him the best, but I just don't think the skills are there to be uh major league relevant, let alone fantasy relevant.
0: Well, you know, for, for the second half of this, we were going to uh, talk about uh, we're going to try and follow along with the depth charts a little bit. So um, we may have to, uh, try and figure out a way to make it a little bit faster. Okay. Because um, I don't know that we can talk about the entire Red Sox team. But let's say, uh, let's pick uh, our favorite at-price, you know, I don't want to say sleeper, you know, because sure. let's pick favorite at-price guy. Like your favorite guy that's not necessarily like not somebody that nobody knows, but a guy you would pay price for, a guy that you like. Um, on the Red Sox uh, right now.
1: We'll start with the Red Sox then. Um, I, I'm definitely not in on 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 the, on the hot guys that that people are overpricing, which it would be bets and and Castillo. Love what they can do, but I, I just I can't I don't think I can pay those prices. I'm probably paying price. I'm not afraid to fill up my utility slot. I I, I still think David Ortiz is pretty much always a value, uh, and and Mike Napoli. But you know what? Those two. I feel much stronger about this one. I'm going to go back to the well on Xander Bogarts. He was everyone's hot sleeper last yeah. year, overpaid for him to high heaven. I was one of those guys in one league. Didn't work out, kind of being forgotten a bit this year. I'm going to go back to that well, take the discount, and, and go with Bogarts at shortstop.
0: Yeah, I like that one a lot. Um, you know, I just don't think – You know, I just ran the numbers today for uh, Hanley at short. Just looking at the defensive numbers, you know, bottom five shortstop. Only got worse every year. Just really doesn't look like a shortstop. Brock Holt, you know, great utility guy playing all over. Yeah. Not a shortstop, I don't think. Oh. Not a not an everyday shortstop. Can't be. Yeah. So the, and and you know, the, for the 22 years old, there's no reason to think he's going to be injured. Um, 22 years old, there's every reason to think there's going to be growth in especially the parts of his game that were better in the minor leagues. So, patience, power, contact. Um, you know, all those things can can get better this year. And yes, they're baked into the projections. Um, but, uh, you know, that's that's following a normal aging curve. When you look at, at, at Xander's second half last year, um, he really started to make more contact and hit for more power. Uh, so I, I think there's a there's a decent chance that he hits, you know, 70, 80th percentile projection and really takes off.
1: I, I, and I would love that because he's going right now, at least in N, early NFBC drafts, he's going around pick uh, 160 as the ninth or 10th shortstop off the board. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm gladly going to take that. It's a thin position still. Uh, but even if I already had a shortstop, maybe I got an Ian Desmond in the second round, I, I, I'd gladly put bogarts as my as my middle infielder uh but if i really waited on shortstop i wouldn't be angry with starting him there now who's your guy on the offense and then we'll do one pitcher and then we'll do baltimore and wrap up
0: yeah so i just i did one last thing about bogarts if you use steamer unadjusted 250 batting average 15 homers five stolen bases no no love there no just cold hard just cold yeah that's uh three, six, nine, tenth, tenth shortstop five dollars and i'll take that uh, And uh, yeah, I think that's that's he's the only guy, you know, once you get past Tulo, Hanley, Reyes and Desmond, uh, he's the only guy that actually sticks out, um, you know, among the bottom tier guys. I don't really Andrews and Escobar like the same guy to me. Yes. Alexi Ramirez is a little bit older. You never know what he's going to do in either power or steals. Really. Ibar is the most fringy guy in the world to me. Um, Starlin Castro is he going to hit 300 so it's like you know Jimmy Rollins old now, guy I know Bogarts you know, is definitely the guy I like down there I
1: know you like a guy way down in those, in those shortstop rankings um, we don't have to get into him now especially as we're running up against time but we will cover him when we get to Pittsburgh I'll, I'll leave it at that we won't even say <laughs> we won't even say which Pittsburgh shortstop we're talking about but I know you love a guy very late but I doubt you want him as your starting shortstop whereas Bogarts I would take as my sh- starting shortstop yeah.
0: Yeah, the guy who's not uh, doesn't rhyme with Morty Jerser. Yes, uh, is uh, I think actually uh, a great pairing. Um, oh, you know, I would really like to do when I do something like this and take a lower guy, uh, especially in uh, shallower leagues. Uh, I I'd love a Bogarts Kang pairing or a Bogarts um, uh, or an Owings Kang. There's a couple guys at the end where I would take two lottery tickets over. You know, and Eric Ibar, who to me is just not very exciting. I know there's agreed. other people who will tell you differently. But no, I, I completely agree. The, the shallower your league, the more you need a guy to be top five. So the more you really need a lotto ticket, and then Eric Ibar is not going to help.
1: No, because he's going to do what he, he – yeah, yeah, if you're in a deep league and you just need that production at a very difficult position where if you're dipping into the waiver wire, you're talking about Stephen Drew and Jose Iglesias, Alexi Amarista, <laughs> yeah. then take Ibar. I get it. Pay, pay that price for for the guarantee. But what we're talking about here is 12, 10-team mixers where you need to make that hit. 12-team mixers specifically, you pair those two guys, you try to hit that home run with one of them. And I like Owings as well. That, that's where you really make up, hey, I uh, couldn't agree with you more on that.
0: And then, you know, I guess uh, the other bat I'd like, um, it, it really just depends on what's going on. Because if you're using the projections on our site, um, and a lot of people will be, um, you're not going to actually love Mookie Betts that much. Uh, because we have a conservative depth chart uh, situation where we have him backing up Victorino. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have him sort of playing around the diamond and only have 388 plate appearances for him, which translates to 280 batting average, eight homers, 16 stolen bases. It's not going to uh, light your fire. No. Uh, so, you know, and there's going to be a lot of people who are going are gonna to fade Mookie bets. And I'm just saying Shane Victorino is 36 years old. He's coming off of back surgery, he's a right hander. Uh, who has not been good against uh, righties in the past, he might stop switch hitting forever. Um, That sounds to me like a versus lefty fourth outfielder. Mookie Betts is the 22-year-old who just showed you above-average patience, above-average contact. I mean, not even above-average contact, elite contact, um, above-average power, and the ability to play all over the diamond I'll buy Mookie Betts if you guys are looking at 388 player appearances because I'm going to be looking at more than that.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely going to be league-specific with the first two guys I mentioned, Betts and Castillo. You're going to get in some leagues – that are just going to go crazy on them, uh, one or both. And then there's going to be other leagues where bets, like you said, they're going to be working off these projections. They're going to be more of the cold, hard, scientific guys, and they're going to say, listen, I can't go in there and bank on on a full season's worth. I'm going to move bets down. And that's where you slide in and get the value. I, I, I don't want to suggest that I was off either of those guys talent-wise. It was definitely a cost situation.
0: Yeah, and I guess uh, otherwise uh, I'm taking the over on – uh, Pablo Sandoval's uh, batting average. Okay. Uh, he's, pre- he's projected in a 291 uh, average with a 312 BABIP, And I just think um, he's a guy who hits it hard to everywhere. He doesn't care where the pitch is thrown, he'll take it wherever it's thrown. And um, Boston's going to be a really great place for his batting average on balls and play, I think. So um, I'm going to take him for uh, one of his best batting averages of career. I mean, this is a guy who hit 330 uh, in his first full season. So I think he can hit 310, 320 um you know i'm not going to give him a ton more homers because the 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 monster also takes away exactly um so you know i'll give him 310 uh i I will actually maybe even write him down for a 300 plus batting average which is very rare
1: yeah exactly it's rare to see that projected so for him to be up at 291 with steamer you're adding those extra nine points like that's even if, he, even if he just hits the, the mid-teens homers again, that's going to be yeah. really valuable at third base. So uh, definitely the, somebody the, I'm looking at.
0: The other uh, thing about Pablo is that um, uh, I'll, I'll fade him in dynasty leagues. I mean, if, if he does well next year and my team's not doing well, he's the first guy to get traded. I, I'm a little bit worried about his,
1: his health going forward. But you know, for now, he's still 28 and, uh, and doing all right. And then give us a picture that you like from, from that club, uh, starting or relief, that, that you're interested in. I know the uh, starting rotation doesn't have a lot of standout stars, but they all got kind of those guys in those middle tiers where you're hoping for somebody to take a big jump. Well, I'm completely out on, on Clay Buchholz. I, I always have been, by the way. If you don't I, know that about me, I cannot stand that guy. Uh, <laughs> I, Colette loves him. Never never seen the appeal. He's not that good.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, Rick, I like, but I think we're, you know, I'm not sure how much growth is left. Maybe, um, a little bit better batting average on balls and play with a better defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Wade Miley, I think is really interesting. Nice. Um, you know, he, he's a, he's the guy that has a balanced arsenal that people, uh, kind of miss, um, in that his slider, uh, and his, uh, change, um, both rate as above average by grounders and whiffs, um. He, last year, at least, he had average velocity um, and uh, actually a little bit above average for a lefty because uh, lefty's average about 90.6 and he had 91.2. Um, so, you know, I know that he's moving to the wrong league. Sure. Um, but, um, you know, it's not like his batting average of balls in play last year was good. It's not like his home runs for fly ball last year. I was going say,
1: like and that, that park – was tough on him he's actually going to a better park uh, which is weird to say about fenway uh but particularly when you talk about homers it's a much better park he's just got to be careful about uh all the doubles and singles bouncing off the wall
0: yeah yeah so i i'm a little bit closer to the fans and steamer both of them aren't great for fantasy but the the fans projection of a 389 era 129 whip 7.6 um, 7.6 strikeouts per nine is much more usable in uh, in anything deeper than than sort of standard 12 or he's it, sort of fringe 15, but um, anything deeper than that and uh, he's useful.
1: Yeah, um, I love Porcello. I loved him as a Tiger. I I can I can agree with you that to say say that there's probably not a ton of growth left, but I. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he did unlock another level, though. I just think that the skills are still there. We're talking about a guy who's still just 26, uh, with what six full seasons under his belt. This guy, you know, is really still kind of growing before our eyes here. He's he's done all of his training on the job love the ground ball rate um you know like you said better defense for sure even though you know the tigers were better than they they've been previously last year but they still weren't anywhere close to good they didn't even have their best chip jose iglesias so he's still going to a much better uh infield defense i think that's going to help him i'm still buying in on him and Slight shout out to Joe Kelly. I know he said he's going to win the, the AL Cy Young. I'm not quite sure on that. But uh, <laughs> that arsenal should have better results, I think. I, I, I really do. And it, it just hasn't yet. And maybe that's just because he's not that good. But I'm still holding out hope that there's another level for him to jump.
0: Well, I think, you know, people yelled at me for uh, for talking about his arsenal because, you know, indeed if you look by uh, swinging strike rates the change up in the slider both above average um, the curve is right around average and has been better in the past um, that gives him three pitches plus 95. you know
1: 95 yeah. yeah yeah
0: so you know it's 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 the kind of thing that you would that you would jump at yes. you know um, normally and so i think yeah he's definitely a guy i like um, definitely an only league acquisition for me yes. uh, a guy that i will definitely target um, in only leagues but uh, I guess what you what's missing, and you can see it if you look back into his minor league career a little bit. Um, he had walk rates, he had bad walk rates in the minor leagues, and when he got to the majors, um, he kind of improved on that, mostly because the Cardinals were like throw that sinker, throw the sinker, and then throw the sinker again. Exactly. And uh, so he got these great ground balls. He can control the sinker. He can't really command the other pitchers Any so, of it.
1: Yep. It comes so and he goes. he needs to get
0: ahead. He needs to get ahead with the sinker, and then if. And I think for what it's worth, I think that there was a little bit of a um let me make sure of this, but I I remember that the 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 um Boston was talking about um about having him throw those other pitches more often. And that was that was part of why they, they wanted to get him. And uh after the trade, um wouldn't you know it, uh he threw the sinker more.
1: Oh he did. Well,
0: oh god, I love that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, maybe, may, hey, maybe they're gonna have the off season to kind of game plan with him, and 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 then they're gonna come out in 2015 with with a with a uh, less sinker focused game plan because right now it's what about two thirds of his pitches per, pretty regularly throughout his career two thirds or higher, um, so maybe they they knock that off a little bit, come down closer to high 50s, low 60s, and then start doling out that extra percentage to the slider. Uh, change and cut and curveball And I think there could be something there again, not, not going to back him on that Cy Young prediction, but uh, like you said, <laughs> AL only league, definitely there deep, deep mixed, definitely a guy that I'm, I'm going to be interested on. Cause he's not going to cost you a thing. No, no one's really looking at him except for, you know, diehard Boston fans. And they'll be too drunk by that part of the draft to really jump in and, and, and purchase him. So I, I, I think it's a sound, a uh, sound argument to go ahead and go for Joe Kelly.
0: Yeah, I mean, just on velocity and and the fact he's got those other pitches, he's not just a one-pitch guy, you know. And and we're not talking about a guy who had five walks per night, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, just – and and he came to a new team, um, which gives you always the opportunity for a mechanical fix that the other team wasn't seeing um, or a mixed fix. Um, so, you know, he did throw the four-seamer a lot less um, with his new team. So – Uh, maybe they saw something there so there's definitely a reason to to target Joe Kelly
1: all right let's close Um, out with Baltimore and then on Thursday we'll cover the other three teams uh in our AL AL East preview let's do the kind of same format here let's talk about a a hitter that you're very interested in kind of you know either at their price um and then a pitcher as well now they had an interesting offseason in that there was nothing going on so a, a lack of interest made it interesting they're obviously banking on the returns of a couple guys, Matt Wieters and Manny Machado for the full season. I guess they're considering those their acquisitions, but then they had the whole weird Dan Duquette thing. So this offense was a powerhouse, uh, but now it looks like it's, it's faded a little bit. They do still have some star talent. Who do you like out of that, uh, out of that offense at their current price that you go for?
0: I'm pretty nervous about I I used to use this team uh, a lot um in my especially my only leagues and, and just in general because you know Adam Jones never got the credit that he deserved he still doesn't and,
1: by the way and I, I, yeah. I'm right there like I also don't really like taking him in the late first early second but his numbers say that he should be going there every year
0: well I the way I was the where I was going with that is that I've kind of soured on some of the guys I used to use a lot so J.J. Hardy I, I took forever because you know get some power and, and you know you know from a position where you can't get any power and and but now i'm worried about jj hardy because he's you know 32 you know. and the back problems and, and you know nine and,
1: homers last year only after after years of at least bankable power like you said
0: yeah so there's a chance he, he did talk about um how his uh his injury forced him to, to, to go for uh, a more contact driven approach but and, and and eschew some of the power but the problem is if he did that, then why did he have, like, his career-worst strikeout rate? Exactly. um, Worst swinging strike rate. So uh, there's some chance that, you know, the injuries that he'll be under-projected again because, like we said about, um, you know, playing through injury, but um, I'm a little bit more out on him. You know, every year he gets older, the more chance that he strikes out a ton and and stuff like that. Manny Machado, I always had too much hype. Maybe I'll, you know buy him on a post type uh but uh and, and matt Weers in the past uh went for too much now i think i'm in on matt Weers uh, uh, out of all because tommy john i don't think will affect him that much um at the plate and as long as he can get in there um i think he can hit 250 with you know 17 to 20 homers again i mean he's 28 um I don't see a problem with 250, you know, that sort of stuff, especially since I'm betting it'll be very cheap.
1: And and catchers can come come on a little bit later too. So, you know, even though he is 28, it's not necessarily the beginning uh, of his prime or anything, but I, I could definitely see, you know, and it was a small sample for sure, but the 26 games before he got hurt, he looked like he was kind of, you know, maybe headed toward that breakout season. But again, too small of a sample to really say that. Just maybe he was hinting at it. I agree with you. Used to be way too expensive. Now has kind of come full circle to where he's actually a bit of a discount. He's like the 10th, 11th catcher off the board going in the 150 range, uh, whereas he used to be kind of that third, fourth catcher off the board regularly. So uh, I hear you on that one. That's a guy I'm definitely going to be looking at. I'm going to go way off the board here, probably an only league sort of guy or maybe a league like yours with that 20 teams, 40, 40 players. I think Travis Snyder is an interesting uh, guy to look at. They didn't do much with the with the outfield except let Nelson Cruz walk. So now they have an outfield that's set up with uh, Deaza, Jones and Center and then Snyder right now uh, on the long end of a platoon in right field. I know that we've, you know, been kind of saying uh, we being the fantasy community have been kind of saying travis snyder for what 42 years i think this is 43rd year in the league um you know he's been around since he's 20 this is his age 27 season i know i've been there and i've been one of the guys so i'm gonna i'm gonna ride it out i'm gonna go with him one more time here and kind of lean on that ballpark to kind of make up for maybe what if he does have a little bit of the talent shortcoming from what i originally saw maybe the park will make up for it he's moving much better park upgrade from PNC to Camden did some decent things last year in his 359 plate appearances. I think this guy could be, you know, Steve Pierce esque with regards to coming out of nowhere ish and being a, being a power source for you again, deeper leagues only. So sorry for you guys in shallower leagues. That doesn't help you much. Uh, Eno helped you with weeders though. So I'm, I'm on Snyder. How do you feel about that?
0: Uh, you know I think that's I think it's decent we talked about him a little bit and I, I was uh, I was pretty uh, positive about him last year in uh, last uh, week or whenever we talked about him last but um, I, I you know just to, for example um, uh, here's uh, Steve Pierce's uh, BABIPs, uh against righties the last couple of years uh, 257 317 300, 331. Oh, God. So, um, you know, the outlier is the, is the big year, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, and before last year, um, he was a, and, and he's 31. So that was a late breakout. And before last year, he was a, 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 right-handed platoon cornerback. So, um, I think there's a big chance he returns to that, um, and, uh, becomes a guy that they use, uh, against lefties. So, if that's the case, um, now you've got Pierce uh, against lefties. David Lowe or Loff or whatever, you know, I, I, he, he would be the left-hander in this situation that would platoon with Pierce. Mm-hmm. And um, he's really unremarkable. I mean, he, he, he has a little bit of defense, a little bit of contact. But that's about it. No patience, no power. So I think he's best cast as a backup and not even as a platoon mate. Mm-hmm. So you know, now you're talking about um, an opening for Snyder. You know, that's that's a real opening for him is is platooning with Steve Pearson right field.
1: Yeah, there, there's a good chance for him to get hit a big playing time, Phil, and let's see if he can do something with it. Now, I know you're on time crunch, so let's close with pitchers here. I'll make mine really easy. Um, it's Kevin Gossman for me. Um, I, I love that guy. I'm, I've made no mistake. You know, I'm not hidden it whatsoever this offseason, so I don't even really need to dive too deeply into it. I've, I've talked about him a lot. I know he has – Progression to make, so it's kind of a bet on the come. But I love what I've seen from this guy. You know, even when he's not pitching well, like when he's kind of getting beat up, you still see the stuff. When I watch this guy every time, I'm like, there's so much stuff there. And we're talking about a guy who's 24 years old. I, I think we're going to see a, a jump this year. Maybe not the full jump, but enough of a jump that I'm going to pay for it. So I'm interested in, in Kevin Gosman. How about yourself?
0: Yeah, I don't really have too many other people to to bank on here. Um, you know, Tillman is only 26, but love him um, too.
1: But, uh, I, I, I've been on that train for a few years. That's, that's why I didn't mention him. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm already established as the conductor of that train.
0: I think he's a little bit more of a called strike guy, mm-hmm. um, than a whiff. I mean, you look at his whiffs, they're pretty much unremarkable. And I think it's because he's got that big old hammer. Um, and if people can lay off it, um, they do okay, but he's got enough command and he gets enough called strikes with that, uh, curve that I think, you know, I, I'm not seeing a steamer type collapse out of uh, Tillman. So if people are, are banking on him to go back to a 435
1: ERA, um, I'm not sure about that one. No, I, I think he can stay in kind of that mid mid to upper threes, which I know, you know, could be league average then if he's in the upper threes. But still, if you get in 200 innings of that, that does have value. We, neither of us mentioned this guy, but I want to get a quick take on how you feel about Zach Britton holding up as kind of a, uh, you know, maybe not upper tier, but as a pretty studly closer, even though he doesn't have the strikeouts to back it with, you know, the Hollins, Chapmans, Kimbrels of the world. So he can't be elite without that, but he's in that kind of next one or two tiers. How do you feel about him for next year?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit worrisome. That he throws one pitch so often.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, and, you know, there's uh, a little bit of a, uh, you know, just the risk that people start timing that sinker better. I mean, it's, it's, it's a beautiful pitch. It's a really nice pitch and, and maybe it'll be okay. I don't really see a guy that I want to hang my, my hat on. I, I liked Ryan Webb coming in, uh, but uh, there's reasons he's fallen back behind and, you know, Brad Barack. I mean, there's some okay names, but there's no name that leaps out for me. Um, and uh, you know, I think that Britain's pretty safe.
1: Yes, um, as you mentioned, the term you use that I like, the daylight. I don't think there's a ton of daylight there, so that helps him. But at the same time, I, I really want him to be my second closer if I'm going to invest. I have a hard time seconds, yeah. making him my top guy.
0: And then, you know, I guess I don't, I don't know. I don't really have a. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't have a different one for Gossman. You know, the, I wish he was on a different team because I think a cutter could really uh, solve a lot of situations for him because his slider is no good. No. And, um, you know, maybe he can make it happen with a straight change and a splitter. I mean, he does have two distinct change-ups, and there are pitchers that do that sort of thing with sliders. I mean, there's people who have two different kinds of sliders and to combat platoon splits. So maybe he could use the straight change and the the splitter, um, you know, in a in a in a different kind of way, maybe start throwing one of them in fastball counts. I don't know he needs to do something a little different um and maybe start throwing the high fastball. Sullivan has a great piece on that
1: yes um, he does um it, about, about- both Kevin Gaussman and James Paxton about whether or not they should they should throw more high sliders. so if you just go to Gaussman's player page, it'll be the first article listed I definitely commend that to everybody.
0: I guess I'll just be uh, a wet blanket then um I bought uh, Bud Norris last year um, in AL Labor, and uh, I just wanted innings out of him um, and got him for like four or five bucks. And I remember it was one of the few ones where Larry Schechter gave me a little um, Little hat tip. little Yeah, or maybe a little angry look. (laughs) So I felt good about that one, and then he had a great year. Um, I'm going to fade him this year uh, because – You know, people pointed to uh, his changeup usage, especially late in the season, as uh, something that, you know, could be good for him. But uh, when you look at him for the full season, uh, he didn't use the changeup anymore. Um, And if you look at the the sort of movement on the changeup, you know, maybe maybe he got a little bit more movement on the changeup in general. Uh, but by the end of the year, it was trending back again towards the same sort of changeup movement he got in 2013. So, so, you know, whatever he might have been doing early in the season where he got maybe an inch or so more than he usually got of movement on the change, uh, by the end of the, the, the year, um, his changeup was just like it had been in the past. Um, so, I mean, I know he's tinkering with the changeup, but at this point, dude's uh, 29 years old, yeah. 900 innings worst swing strike rate of his career. Um, and, and going you
1: know. down every single year. Literally yeah. every year. Now not it wasn't plummeting. It was kind of slowly eroding. But then last year it plummeted two full percentage points. So, yeah, so that, that that's yeah. that's tough. I'll give you I'll give you a unique Weird question because it's hard to value these three, I guess, as is. But which Norris would you take, Bud, Derek, or Daniel? Obviously all three kind of different costs. <laughs> but, but let's say it's that 20, 20 team, 40, 40 guys, because then all three of them come into play. Which of those three would you want at their current cost?
0: You know, going into the offseason, I thought it was going to be Daniel Norris taking that slot and then Aaron Sanchez closing in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a decent chance of that. And I like Daniel Norris. And I like his stuff. Um, so I definitely like Daniel Norris a lot, but he had elbow surgery, and I think that just at the very least is going to make it very easy on his team to um, to to say, well, he needs a little more time to get ready. Exactly. Uh, and and they they've been talking about wanting Aaron Sanchez in the rotation. So uh, not 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 Daniel Norris. Um, Derek, I think I'd probably take Derek. Um, I think he's a sort of top 15 type catcher. I think that given the that Tim Federovich or whatever is his backup. I think they're they're going to give him uh, a full run at it, um, and I think he's kind of a big power guy that did pretty well in a bad park before, um, and uh, I'm not sure that he needs to
1: be only versus lefties. So I think. Uh, I would take Derek. I I'm I'm with you there. Don't don't need to expound on it. Reasons that you mentioned were strong. By the way, I gotta give you credit on Fedorovich. I know you've I, I've heard you talk, I do listen to the podcast. I've heard you talk about having player pronunciation issues. Um and I will say that you did pretty well on that one right out of the gate. So I don't know if it's my influence just kind of helping you here, whereas Jason and uh and Nick, you know, were were negative influence, their park factor for your pronunciations was lower. But you're coming out of the gate with a Fedorovich, and you were pretty close on it. I like it, Eno. You know, very well done. All right. All right I think that's going to wrap it up. I know you got lunch coming up, and uh, i got to get back to work myself. But we will be back on Thursday. We'll cover the other three teams, probably a little bit more in-depth because um, we won't go as hard on the news. And then uh, at, twice a week, Eno, you, know, you and I, I'm very excited to be doing this. Guys, if you want to hit us up on Twitter, it's at Sporer, S-P-O-R-E-R, and at Eno uh, are the Twitter handles, right? that's right that's right and it's then do y'all have a uh, do y'all do email or anything like that or, or no don't contact us for the show don't do that guys <laughs> Not, no, get us
0: on twitter d- get us
1: on twitter if you have questions we'll we'll either well, cover them right there on twitter or maybe do some some uh twitter questions on the show at some point
0: yeah we've, we've been doing that in the past the, the uh, also you can comment on the piece if you don't do twitter oh nice. uh, just comment comment on the piece on rotographs
1: and, and we'll monitor those perfect all right you know then we'll talk in, in a couple days Yes. Boom.